And just before we release the children, let us remind ourselves what we always do here. That we believe that since the Bible is God's word, and that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is a child of God, let us say together, the Bible is God's word for us. Thank you. Children, you are free to go. One of the most discouraging experiences as a Christian is when you face a difficulty that makes you feel helpless or hopeless. When you try medication, you try surgery, you go for counseling, and nothing seems to work. You are helpless and hopeless, and you are a Christian. I think that's one of the most discouraging experiences we find ourselves in as Christians. But when that happens, it's good to know that we are not alone. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 12, you will see Christians facing a situation that makes them feel helpless and hopeless. In Acts 12, from verse 1, we are told, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. Herod, here, his grandfather is the one who ordered the killing of children when Jesus was born. His grandfather. Herod is a politician who doesn't care about faith. In fact, in fact, he views Christians as people that bring divisions and that as people that need to be dealt with. His goal is to stop the word of God from spreading. And in doing that, he arrests some who belong to the church, intending to persecute them. We are told he had James. James is the brother of John. These are the two brothers called the sons of Zebedee. They're the ones whose mother came to Jesus once and asked that they may sit on his right and left hand in his kingdom. They were always together. 
He arrested James, the brother of John, and put him to death with a sword. He cut off his head. That's how ruthless he is against Christians. The death of James brings back the memories of the death of Stephen. Christians saw Stephen stoned to death. And when they see one of their own die, they are reminded of what happened to Stephen. So this is a difficult time for believers, but also for the brother John. This church in Jerusalem is grieving. This church in Jerusalem is helpless. And when Herod saw that what he did pleased the Jews, when he saw that his, he, this met with approval among the Jews, the killing of James, he proceeded to seize Peter also one of the pillars, one of the leaders. And this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. So he makes sure James is killed, and then he goes ahead and he arrests Peter. Because those who are against the faith are enjoying it. And the church is suffering. The church in Jerusalem is suffering. And I think Luke is writing this to us because the shift had gone to Antioch, which had become the center for Gentiles' missions. But Luke wants us to know that God is still at work in Jerusalem as well. He wants us to realize that the Lord has not forgotten his people who are in Jerusalem. This, this church, these believers have every right here to start a demonstration. Demonstrate against the government. Stop paying taxes or plan for revenge. They have every reason to be angry, even though they are afraid. They have every reason to protest for their rights. Because their rights as Christians are being violated. And you and I have had those experiences too. When we find ourselves in situations that are make us feel helpless. When you have a loved one who is sick and uh, is not getting better, and you are doing everything you can, you feel helpless. When your health is fading away and you can feel it, you can tell, 
I'm not the same person I used to be. And you're doing everything you can. You've done everything that the doctor has advised you to do. You walk 10,000 steps every day. Before you buy anything, you make sure you read everything. What's the cholesterol? What's the, the sodium? What's in it? And you, you are doing everything, and yet, nothing is changing. And you feel helpless. You turn to God's word, you read it, but there, there is no connection. You come to church and people are singing and you're wondering, why is everyone so joyful? Because there is no worship in you. Look at people and you feel like they, they must be pretending because I don't share that joy. Seems like everything unwanted is happening to you. You look at other families and they seem to be doing so well. And then you look at your family and everything is falling apart. You look at your marriage and look at other couples. They, they are enjoying themselves. They are walking. They are holding hands. They are smiling. They are doing everything that should be happening to you. And you look at your own marriage and it's like you are miles apart. And you don't know what to do. The believers here find themselves in a place that makes them feel helpless. One of their own has been killed and one of their leaders is in prison waiting for his death. And these are the moments that the enemy whispers to your ears telling you that there is nothing you can do. You look at the culture and you feel like giving up. And you know the enemy is very smart. The enemy is very strategic. He knows what he's doing. And you look at just the way the culture is and how our children are growing up in this culture and what they are exposed to, the evil that is being accepted. And as a Christian, you ask yourself, what can I do? And you can protest all you want and no one will listen to you. You can complain all you want, but no one will listen to you. And you feel helpless. 
and God's people are experiencing the same. But there is hope. There is hope. Because when you look at verse 5, we are told, so Peter was kept in prison. But, and this changes everything, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Yes, they may have felt helpless. Yes, they may have felt weak. But they realized that there is something we can do. In their helplessness, they still could do something. Something that did not require their strength. It just required their faith. You know, we go to the gym and we work out so that we can feel good and keep fit. But when it comes to the battles that we face, our strength will not help us. You can intimidate people, but you will never intimidate the enemy of our faith because the battle that we fight with him belongs to the Lord. And if the battle is the Lord's, then the strategy has to be the Lord's also. And if the strategy is the Lord's, then the weapon has to be the Lord's also. Someone did not get that. <laughs> Believers realize that there is something that is more powerful than Herod, his chains, and his soldiers. They pray earnestly. The word earnestly here is used to mean that they are praying in agony. They are praying in grief. They are grieving as they pray. They are praying in pain. These are not people that have called for a prayer meeting. Hey, let's come and pray and see what God can do. No, these are people that have come together realizing that they are helpless and just turn to the Lord and pour their pain, their hearts, their grief to the Lord. And that's why the author doesn't tell us their prayer. He only tells us they prayed for him. Maybe they were praying that God may strengthen him as he faces his death. Or maybe they were praying that God may deliver him. Or maybe they were just praying that God may do what he wants to do. All we know is 
They were praying in agony for their brother, one of their leaders, one of their own. By praying here, the believers are expressing, demonstrating, showing their faith. Prayer is always an act of faith. It is always an act of faith. That's why in this church we emphasize prayer. That's why we take time to pray. And it is my encouragement that you continue praying even when you are alone. Because prayer shows that we believe in someone who is more powerful than anything else that we face. Now see the connection of their prayer and how God is responding. In verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, quick, woke him up quickly. Get up, he said, and the chains fell of Peter's wrist. So the angel came to wake Peter up. Why? You go back to verse 5, we are told Peter was kept in prison. No, in verse 4, we are told when he was arrested, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. And as the believers were praying that night, the angel appeared and Peter was sleeping. He was sleeping in prison. He is awaiting his death and he is sleeping. His, this tells us that Peter was at peace with himself and with the Lord. He was submitted. He was submissive. He was willing to face whatever was ahead of him. Maybe he prayed for the fellow prisoners and the soldiers, the 16 soldiers that were guarding him. Or maybe he even shared his faith with them. But that night, as the believer prayed, God began to act. And here, he acts in a way that I don't think those believers expected him to. An angel orchestrates a prison break. Together with the angel in verse 10, they, they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate heading to the city. It opened for them by itself. 
This reminds me of when you go to the shopping mall. I remember one of my friends from Kenya had come and we took him shopping. And uh, every time we went and the doors just opened for us, his first observation was, wow, this is like heaven. <laughs> the doors just open for you. Come in. Come in. This is what happened when Peter was set free. The iron gate opened itself. The power of God is at work because God's people have prayed. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Angels. Have you ever desired to see an angel? I have. But you know what I have come to realize? Yes, we do have angels that are watching over us, but we do have angels that we see. And we may fail to notice them. You know, the word angel means God's messenger. They are messengers. And there are so many people that God has used in our lives as messengers. When my family and I came to the United States, God had angels waiting for us. Ruth and her husband are the angels that we have seen and experienced. We strongly believe that they are angels. They didn't appear with a flash of light. But God used them in our lives when we came. They received us from the airport, brought us to their house. They worked hard to make sure the apartment that we were going to at the seminary is furnished. And even after that, they made sure we got everything we need. We made all the appointments we needed to make. And they continue to be of support to us even today. This we are talking about 10 years now. And most of us here, if you sit down and think, you will realize that God has sent you angels. That there are people in your lives that have been placed strategically by God for them to help you. 
you don't need a, an angel that is what you think of. Someone dressed in white and shining. You don't need that. God has made sure that there are people in your lives that are there to support you and to provide you with what you need. And those are the people you need to thank God for. Those are the angels that you need to thank God for. And some of us too, God has used us as angels in other people's lives. And I think that's how God works. He uses us in other people's lives. I have had people, again, that God has used in my life to meet a need. And I could only tell that this is God doing it. And God, I believe, uses you and me as well. So instead of praying that you may see an angel, pray that God may help you recognize the angels in your life and thank God for them. Because they are there. They have been strategically placed by God for your benefit and for God's glory. The believers are still praying. And Peter goes to the house where the believers are gathered and praying and he knocks at the door. And this is one of the most interesting experiences because I think it speaks so much about each one of us and how we approach God in prayer. He knocks at the door In verse 13, Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Everyone is praying, oh, Father, we pray for Peter. Father, we are praying for Peter. Father, we are praying. And this young girl comes, Peter is at the door. And everyone is in spirit. And so they see her as a, a distraction. You are out of your mind, one believer tells her. When she kept insisting that it was so. And then they said it must be his angel. In other words, these believers are praying, but they don't expect God to act. 
that soon. And to be truthful, I think some of us, or maybe many of us pray the same way. We pray, but we, we don't expect God to respond so quickly. Sometimes we don't even expect him to respond. We just pray so that we can say, I prayed. But God responds here quicker than they had thought. And they are not ready to accept that. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. You pray, and then your prayer request walks through the door. And you're like, God, this is so quick. You didn't even give me time to wait. Never doubt God's willingness to answer your prayers. Every time you pray, expect God to act. Expect God to respond. Expect God to do something. And God is not only acting in delivering Peter. If you look at verse 19... 18 and that and 19 that morning Herod searched for Peter and he did not find him and he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed the 16 guards were killed that day that that morning and then Look at verse 21. On the appointed day, Herod wearing his royal robes sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. And they shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. People began to worship Herod. And immediately because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord, I think this is the same angel that set Peter free, struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. The prayers are being answered. God is responding to his people. God is showing here that he is more powerful than any difficulty that his people can experience. And therefore, when we find ourselves in those experiences, those difficulties that make us feel helpless, we can always turn to God for prayer because God is more powerful powerful than anything that we face. Amen. 
And these believers, by praying, like I said, they are demonstrating their faith. And we are told in verse 24, the word of God continued to spread and flourish. What Herod thought he could stop, he failed to. Because God always wins. Now, you may want to ask yourself, James was killed, but Peter was delivered. And that's how God works. We pray sometimes and people die. And we pray and sometimes people are healed. And that's why I say, this is the lesson that I have learned in my life as a Christian when it comes to prayer. Every time we go before the Lord, we should be very sincere in telling him our needs, our desires, the desires of our heart, what we want him to do. But at the same time, we should also be very sincere to receive what God has for us. On one hand, we present our requests to him. On the other hand, we are ready to receive what he has for us. That should be our attitude. Because none of us can force God to do what we want him to do. In fact, if we are praying faithfully, those prayers will prepare us to receive what God has for us. Because God knows our deepest needs. Because God means well. Because God is able to make all things work together for good. God does not disappoint us if we know that he always means well. So when you pray, expect God to act. When I look at this experience, the believers play, praying in agony, it reminds me that our tears are temporary. That those difficulties that we face that bring tears to our eyes are only for some time. God has a way of wiping our tears away. And we can always trust him. We can always trust him to act. So what's the secret of our strength? The secret of our strength is not prayer. Prayer is an act of faith. The secret of our strength is our faith in the Lord and our care for one another. 
The believers, by praying, they are demonstrating their faith to the Lord. But they are praying for one of their own. So on the other hand, they are also caring for Peter. The secret of our strength is our faith in the Lord and our care for one another. And I'm telling you, if you can take that with you, you are going to be a different kind of person, a different kind of a Christian, a Christian that believes that there is a powerful God that I trust, and because of him, I'm going to care for my brother and my sister. That's the church I want to attend. A church where people believe in God. Their faith is unwavering. They have full trust on him and they care for one another. That's where I want to go. I'm looking for it. (laughs) I've been searching on the website for this kind of church. Where people truly believe that regardless of what we face, we have a God. We have a Father. We have a Savior. We have Almighty God that we can turn to anywhere, anytime, and He will act. That people know that regardless of what I'm going through, I have a brother and a sister who are praying for me because they care. I I don't think you are getting this. (laughs) Maybe you are. The secret of our strength is our faith in the Lord and care for one another. When you are tempted to think that God is not listening to your prayers, when you are tempted to feel that God is not willing to answer your prayers, when you are tempted to feel that you are lonely, remember this passage. When you are tempted to feel helpless, remember this passage. When you wake up in the morning, you try to move and something cracks. You hear that sound and you wonder, what is it this time? Remember this passage. When you realize that you are losing your memory and you can no longer remember even some of the most important things in your life, remember this passage. The enemy may want you to think that you are weak and that there is nothing you can do. But God wants us to know that when there is nothing we can do, there is something that we can do.
because we can demonstrate our, our faith by turning to him in prayer. When you hear of a brother or a sister who is going through some difficult experiences, remember this passage. And when the enemy tries to make you think that no one cares, remember this passage. Because we care. Remember that the secret of our strength is our faith in the Lord and our care for one another. Father, I come before you this morning. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your word. I thank you for every person that is here this morning. I pray that you continue to speak to our hearts and use us in the lives of others so that, Father, we can be a reflection of you. I pray that you remind us, Lord, of the hope that we have in you and that through each one of us, you may be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.